live here on the Real Presence Radio Network. We thank you for staying with us. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon Clark, joined by Steve Sponskowski, Executive Director here at Real Presence Radio. And we're transitioning now into uh, just a beautiful segment. It's called Encountering Christ's Real Presence, where we just highlight the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. And so we have a, a guest who has a beautiful story of just thirsting for the Eucharist in her journey through RCIA. And Janet is on the phone with us this morning. Janet Higby. Good morning, Janet. Good morning. How are you today? Good, thanks. How are you? Uh, we're, we're doing very well. Uh, can you first just tell us, uh, as we begin, just lay out a little bit uh, about yourself? Um, I grew up out on the prairie in South Dakota. I was baptized and confirmed in the United Church of Christ. I married a Methodist, so I joined the Methodist Church, and now I have the privilege of coordinating music at St. Joseph's Church in Spearfish. Hmm. So I assume there was a, a journey in there that we uh, want to talk a little bit, Janet, about from the Methodist Church to being a music coordinator at the Catholic Church. <laughs> <laughs> talk to us a little bit about that. Oh, a little bit. Um. Back in 1987, I received a letter in the mail from a friend, and she said she had learned that you don't know that Jesus is in your heart, living within you, unless you ask Him. You have to make a commitment. You have to come right out and ask Him into your heart. And it really struck me that, wow, I had some responsibility. I couldn't just assume that Jesus is in me because I go to church on Sunday and sing in the choir and help with the little kids' Sunday school. And so I put down the letter, and I made that prayer, and I asked him into my heart and um, hope for the best. And the next morning I realized I, I had a responsibility myself to make my heart a place that he would want to be. And um, God was so good. He gave me tiny awareness one after another of small things that I could do to make a positive decision rather than a negative decision. And the more positive I became, the closer to God I became. And I had many, many small tests, I will say. And along the way, I I remember clearly that the scripture that struck out and stayed with me every day was Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not unto your own understanding. Acknowledge Him in all your ways, and He will direct your path. And He really did. And I realized more and more that every decision I made, if I made it according to my own human understanding and reason, it would not be the positive way to get closer to God. If I trusted Him, it would bring me closer and closer. And when I say decision, it wasn't even necessarily a decision to take action, but a decision on, on how to direct my thoughts in a positive way and how to even start to direct my feelings about maybe other people or other situations that I found myself in a positive way. And I got so much stronger in my faith and so much joy in my life. And I had all sorts of small tests and, and then in 
seven years later, really. See, it took me a while. I was slow. 1994, <laughs> God called me through a totally unexpected occurrence and through real strong prayer back, well, I won't say back to the United Church of Christ. It's just that that's where I visited because a friend of mine was going there, and I just happened to visit to go listen to their choir that day, and he called me, and he said, you need to be here, you need to stay here. And I told my husband about that. It was such a strong, incredible spiritual experience. I was praying for the other people in the congregation at the time, and my husband was so confused, it made no sense to him. And so there was a challenging summer where I actually went to two, two different churches every morning, <laughs> but all it had it didn't work anymore with the scheduling and I had to stay at the United Church of Christ and my husband and my two daughters, our two daughters stayed at the Methodist church where they were comfortable. And so, um, I just kept praying and doing my best that I could do work for him. In 1998, I got breast cancer and I was so filled with peace because God by then had really, really given me such grace and I was so grateful and the people around me were scared, but I wasn't scared, and it turned out just fine. I came through it just fine. In 1999, I asked God if I could please go back to the Methodist Church. I wasn't frustrated or angry. I just was challenged by so many things that were hard to try to do sometimes and fulfill both places, for example, when my daughters were confirmed at the Methodist Church. And I got a clear answer. He said, nope, nope, I haven't told you that. You need to wait until I direct you before you move. The next, later that year, I, I entered into a two-year depression based on a, a betrayal by a friend. Mm-hmm. And I, in those two years, I had no joy, but I also had no sadness because I, my faith was still so strong. I knew God was there. God was the rock. He was solid no matter what my human thoughts and feelings were. And so that was really a good time for me. It was a good time of testing. And at the end of that two years, a friend invited me to the Catholic Church. And what caught my was that he said we could go to Mass every day instead of just on Sunday. Wow. If you just tuned in, you're listening to Janet Higby, and this is our Encountering Christ in the Real Presence segment, where we talk about that journey. Janet has just been sharing with us her journey um, from the United Church of Christ, is that what you said? To the Methodist Church, and then back again, right? Um, Yes. And then now you had a friend who has invited you to consider the Catholic Church. How did that conversation start? Well, J.D. was very good at talking a lot. And he talked a lot about what he was interested in, and he loved his Catholic faith. And so every day he would talk about it, and I would listen, and I was so happy for him that he had enthusiasm for his faith, because that sometimes doesn't happen. And um, every day I would think, um, well, that is so great that he loves his faith so much. And he, of course, he, in- he invited me to come to church with him, and I said, thank you for inviting me. But I had already had experience two years earlier of asking God to go somewhere and, and being told, nope, I'll tell you when it's time. And so I said, thank you very much, but I have a church where I go on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And as I maybe alluded to a minute ago, that changed the day he was talking about everything about his faith. And he said, we have Mass during the week. You can go every day. And I said, what? <laughs> I had longed 
for a long time to be able to go and worship in community more than just one time a week on Sunday morning. Yeah. So I said to him, can anybody go to that? He laughed. <laughs> he laughed. And he invited me to come the next day, Thursday, March 22nd, 2001, a day that changed my life. Wow. And and how, how was it that it changed your life, Janet? Um, after that was 14 years of praying and um, being tested and listening and and obeying because some of the things weren't easy to do and maybe not even fun by by our human typical standards. Um, that mass that day, my heart and mind were ready and open, and I felt like I was seeing the world turn from gray and black and white into beautiful, living, shining, glorious color, just listening to the prayers the liturgy of the Eucharist. Yeah. Yeah, and we have a beautiful quote from you, too. You said, Long before I understood the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist, something told me that there was no place on earth I would rather be than in the communion line. Um, you obviously ended up going through RCIA then. What, tell us what that anticipation was like to receive Jesus in the Eucharist. You you waited, like, it was about like 10 months, wasn't it? Um, yep. Um, I, um, that first Mass, daily Mass, was March 22nd, and then, let's see, March of the next year, we um, I came in at Easter Vigil. And I did not um, understand the presence, the real presence, for actually until after I became Catholic. Hmm. But I trusted God, and I trusted the Church so much that in my head I knew it was true. I just didn't fully understand it in my heart. But there was no question that I had to be completely, completely in communion with everyone in the church, with everything that was happening. And so, like I did go right up in communion line for blessings because I could be as close as possible that way to the Eucharist, because I knew that was the heart of it, even if I didn't understand exactly what it was. Yeah. And now that you, you now that you can receive him every day, you know, what what is that experience like? So so you had the opportunity to just be close to him though you couldn't receive him fully and then now that you are a Catholic, you can receive him fully. What what is that experience like for you after journeying this 14-year journey? It's it's just so hard to describe. Because it's so overwhelming that, um, number one, that Jesus is there, right there, right there with us. But number two, that he would come to me, a simple little <laughs> humble human being, <laughs> is a sinner. And um, and so it's a great feeling of being, of a, it's a great privilege to be able to receive, it's a great honor it's a joy, and it fills me with gratitude every time. Hmm. Yeah. You, you mentioned uh, early on in your journey, Janet, that uh, as you, when you, when somebody mentioned to you, um, I think you said in a letter that you need to um, 
asked Jesus into your heart, you thought right away, or one of the things that came to you was you need to make your heart a place for Christ. Make your, uh, make your heart a place Christ would want to be. And that seems so um, profound when we think about the Eucharist as well. Uh, as we, we head up to Mass, or head up to, to for communion during Mass, um, do you still think about that, how that actually back then, that wisdom that you had, um, th- that, that inspiration of that now is, is kind of really, really makes a lot of sense when we think about receiving the Eucharist? Yeah, it's amazing how God knows more than we do and knows everything before we even stop to understand it or realize it. But yeah, you're, you're exactly right. And... Um, it was just a, a little bit of common sense that he um, made me aware of that, and through his grace that he made me aware of that, I guess I'll say. Um, but I am overwhelmed also when I look around and see all the people that he loves so much, all the different people here that I get to be at Mass with and join in together with. Yeah. So are your, is your family still at the Methodist Church, or what, where, is that, where are they on the journey? Oh, through the grace of God, um, my younger daughter came through RCIA the very next year after I did through a lot of prayer, and then um, my older daughter, who had who had already gotten involved in a Bible open Bible study group on the college campus, she really listened and she really prayed. And three years later, she came through RCIA, and then my husband uh, also came with her, and so we are very blessed to be all able to worship as a family. Um, Julie lives in Rapid City now, and um, my husband is a sacristan at the church here, and Kelsey plays her violin for Mass sometimes, so God is really good. Yeah, yeah, what a beautiful culmination of just God's love poured out for you. Jana, thanks so much for being on the radio with us this morning and and sharing your, your beautiful journey of just encountering Jesus in the Eucharist. You're welcome. Thank you.